And we're off. <laughs> you interrupted me. <laughs> I had to start there. You're looking you're looking pretty uh pretty like snazzy. Yeah, you like that? I do. Well, I would like to thank my parents in regards to that, but it, I actually think this comes down to Annie and Tom with Annie the Tom swag. Yeah. Anyone on YouTube, check this out. Yeah, that this made sharp. this like really made my day yesterday when I walked in. And I got a new, it's a wine glass, but I'm using it as coffee right now because it's a little early for wine. Um, but they really stole the show with the swag. They did a great job. So Morgan Rogers designed our logo. She created it with her skillful hands. But Annie and Tom Burgess, so generous. What a great couple. I had the privilege of uh, doing their wedding and doing marriage prep with them. And then Tom came into the church with me in RCIA. So cool. We were t- I was at with dinner with them, and I was trying to remember how long ago that was. Maybe, maybe three or four years ago, something like that. Well, they they get the gold star for this podcast because the shirt fits perfectly. It's f- absolutely phenomenal, and the wine glasses. I it's mean, too, it's too bad we can't do something about that that face. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Everything below the face. The the shirt is clutch. Shirt is clutch. It, it yeah. really does look good. Yeah. So, someday, hopefully, we'll have our. Uh, our own fashion line out there. I know. Yeah. I know. That really got me thinking of what we can make for this thing. So <sighs> now I just got to get it approved. Um, I did also have, I have to tell you, someone told me recently, they're like, you guys are bantering too long. And I was like, I thought we had a good balance. I'm like, oh. it's not too long. We get to topics. But haters are going to hate though. Well, it wasn't a hater. It was actually a lover. <laughs> that sounds kind of weird. It was yeah. a lover. Oh, really? <laughs> Your pillow talk. How'd that go? That's great. It was a lover of the podcast. Not yeah. me, but of the podcast. I think it is hard. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you're like, just get to the point. And then there's the natural segues. Um, well, like Catholic Answers. If you were listening to Catholic Answers. Yes. They're great. Catholic Answers. Those guys are phenomenal. They're super charitable. Tim Staples, total stud. But I, I, what happens, I think, with them is it's like apologetics. And my my only critique with much love of them, but it's just a different style. Right. They just have answers. Totally. And and they're just it's just straight information. It's less of a conversation. And that, you know, there's there's advantages to that. But that's I don't think that's what we're going for. No, I want people to get to know you. Plus, I'm not as smart as those guys like <laughs> Tim Staples is like, oh, did you know that like at the fourth ladder in council in paragraph 18? And I'm like, I have not memorized the fourth ladder. In you council. don't know that. Don't even know when the fourth ladder in council was. That's another podcast, but we'll walk through that. I can help you there. Yeah, you can. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Totally. Um, Again, as always, thank you everyone for emailing in. um, Rant at lordsdenver.org. Yep. Um, We have a queue of phenomenal questions and And uh, great feedback. It's L-O-U-R-D as in David. E as an elephant, S. Yes. I just wasn't sure about that. I thought it was Sometimes, I, Well, you may get a bounce back if you hit with the straight lords. Could be confusing. That's true. So rant at lordsdenver.org. Send us your questions, your suggestions. Uh, compliment Patrick on his beautiful t-shirt. Uh, and wine glass. And wine glass, which is probably a little hard to see the etching on there. Right it now, is, and which bums me out, but it is serving a phenomenal purpose right now. Um so by the time this comes out, Mumford and Sons has removed someone from their band because he stated his opinion, which totally bums me out. Yeah. Cancel culture at Cancel its culture. finest. And Who, self-righteousness. And just, 
I don't know. I, I just feel like everyone's so ready to condemn everyone else. That's right. And no one, I mean, we all know this. Everyone in the world knows this is if, if we're all going to be held to that standard, every one of us is canceled. hundred percent. Every one of us. I have said so many dumb things in my life. I've actually preached one of my favorite. This is, um, when I was at IHM, I preached a daily mass and I was talking, I think about John the Baptist and it was mostly older people there. And I actually said from the pulpit that, uh, I was like, John the Baptist, man, that guy had cojones. <laughs> and luckily I don't think anyone. And I was like, did that just come out of my mouth? Did I just say that at mass? Yeah. And I think luckily no one knew what it meant. And I was like, Oh, cool. Yep. Thank God. Slid by that one. Luckily it wasn't a, uh, one that was being recorded. That's right. It was not, we were not at the recording level yet. So that was, that was good. But now I just said it on the air. So, so Mumford and Son has been canceled. Who knows where we're at the Equality Act. This actually, when this comes out, it will be the Feast of St. Joseph, which March will be 19th. Phenomenal. Yeah. What a great day. Um, so obviously like so much chaos in the world and last night, which is now in an effort to not banter so much, getting to the topic, um, I had to just try to find something on TV that was not just going to bum me out. And sure enough, Jerry Maguire was on. It's so good. A little kid in that is just so cute. Um, Do you know the human in that weighs eight and a half pounds? I was just thinking that. Um, And the scene, though, of the classic show me the money. Yes, Cuba Gooding Jr. That's right. He uh, nailed that scene. He really did. He like totally nailed it. He down. nailed that whole role. He did. Coming from the sports world, it's that was the entire thing was pretty classic. Um but it kind of got me thinking and I kind of I wanted to get your thoughts and and just kind of I get asked this all the time. Um but the concept of tithing and giving money to the church and yep. are you getting closer to heaven by doing so what's the purpose what does the church use it for um is it some form of an indulgence is it you know any of those kind of questions and i think there's it's a very interesting thing because in my time and the protestant world it kind of seemed like tithing is like not even a question like they do a really good job of just like boom it's to be expected this is what the bible says and and we could dive into that but it it there seems to be, and I don't know if it's an issue sometimes with like the history of the church and the whole selling indulgence thing, or yeah. kind of has a black eye a little yeah. bit. Um, but now working for the church and seeing it's just a different perspective of it. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know, just the concept of tithing in general and how that's different from alms giving, alms giving. Um, but yeah, kind of where to go with that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to this question. One, I think a related question too to this is something we get all the time as Catholics is people say, why isn't the church, the church is so rich and the yeah. church has all these amazing, you know, that's incredible wealth. And why doesn't the church give away her wealth to the poor? Yeah. Um, and, and that's a related question. Have we talked about that? No. I, you know, it's so funny. I, I have a memory for certain things. And other things, I'm like, I have no idea totally. if we've talked about that or not. Yeah, no, we have right. not. But it's another it's another good question because it, it seems like a circular argument where you're kind of like, why would I give money to the church? They have enough money. They should be giving it away on their own. Yeah. And it and therefore, I'm not going to give. Like and, and which, by the way, like there's there's something to that. Right. I, the church should uh, should be um, giving away money to the poor. 
Yeah. We absolutely should be. And not just giving away money to the poor. I think it depends on uh, how you look at that. Almsgiving, though, is a central biblical teaching, both Old Testament and New. And so almsgiving should be that way. Um, But uh, we can be smart about that, too. It's not like we just have to go and hand money to people. Sometimes that might be really appropriate, but most of the time, probably, we want to build housing for single mothers right. and people who are struggling financially and taking care of the elderly and the sick. We sh- we need, that's a command of Jesus Christ. That's Matthew 25 and a hundred other places. But, um, but, oh, but one thing I do want to say about that, about the church having all this wealth, here's the problem with this. Um, <clears throat> that was, that was true in like the middle ages. The, and the church's wealth is not something, especially in today's world, it's not something that is liquid, right? It's not like, I don't, you know, I remember Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't come home at night every night and as a priest and like jump into that giant bin of like gold coins <laughs> and get right. swimming through it, yeah. you know? That, the church doesn't have money. The church is actually, in most places, I think, relatively poor. Where it's rich is in its buildings. Totally. And so like, and great pieces of art. And so if you go to Rome, you know, they're not going to like, they're not going to sell St. Peter's, you know, who's right. gonna, and, and if they did, it would be tragic because it loses its significance because St. Peter's one of the things I love telling people when they ask this, there's two points. One is that the church knows that the poor don't just have bodies, but they also have souls. And St. Peter's Basilica belongs every bit as much to a homeless person as it does to the Pope or to the wealthiest man on earth. Right. And so there's something, there's a common wealth, right? Yep. And this is the medieval idea. The medieval idea was that wealth belonged in our common places. And so our squares and our churches and buildings of things that we all share together are, are gorgeous in the medieval world. Once you start hitting the modern world, and this, there's a great book called um, The Unintended Reformation I read a couple years ago about this that showed how the, the modern secular state is a consequence that arose out of the Reformation, and there's a lot there. But... One of the things they say in there is that when Catholics and Protestants during the Reformation are killing each other and they're doing horrible things to each other, great atrocities on both sides, what happened was in the Netherlands was really the first place. They just got sick of it and they said, we're just sick of all the fighting. We're going to go make money now. And instead of pursuing what had always been considered the higher goods of human beings, of our souls, they just said, we're just going to go make money. And wealth moved from being this common thing to this private thing. And so what I say today, and I'll, I'll toss it back to you now, but the, the critique of this, when people say, oh, the church has so much money, BS. If you want to look for money in our country, drive a mile east of my parish to the University of Denver. Yeah. Denver <laughs> University, and, and I think this is better than other places it could potentially go, but you want to talk about money. I mean, they just put up this new building that has like copper gilded walls. <laughs> And every year they put up a new building. I'm like, and I look at it, I'm like, that's a hundred million dollar building. Right. Right. And that's, and so money in our culture today, it tends to be in places like that. Or one author I like, um, he, a guy named Philip Bess, he says, uh, wealth has been privatized. And so he talks about how everyone has to have their, he calls them a McMansion. So in the medieval world, the idea was our houses are kind of simple. We have, you know, relatively simple lives uh, there's abuses, of course, kings, and there's Versailles and like ridiculous things. Those are abuses. But in general, the way money worked was we had we were simpler in our private lives, but what we held in common was where we had these gorgeous churches. 
and gorgeous parks and things that, that brought a city together into a commonwealth. And today, like our public buildings are kind of pathetic. They're yeah. not impressive. They're as cheaply done as possible, but everyone needs their McMansion. Right, right. And that's, that's where, you know, my critique would go is the church doesn't have, that the problem right now is not with church wealth. The problem right now is that the average American gives like 1% or less of their income away. Totally. I think I was reading about that. Well, I, we can get there, but I think it's important to dive into the concept of what is tithing? Like, what does it even mean? Yeah. And, and what is that? Because, um, I think to that point, I think it's like 2% of Christians actually tithe. Yeah, and, it, and you know, I was gonna say it's even evangelicals, right? That's, I mean, it's, it's a horrific number. And a guy I look up to a lot in this topic that I was first introduced, introduced to when I became a Christian was Dave Ramsey and his whole like financial peace and, and all that stuff of getting your finances in order yep. was a total game changer for my life. Um, but he kind of out the gates is like, here's what it says biblically, why you tied this and that. Yep. And then everything builds upon that. But he always jokes about like, you know, people always ask, is it pre or post tax or when do you tithe right. and this and that? And he's like, there, it was so funny. He goes, there's 2% of you actually tithing. I don't yeah. care if you yeah, do it pre or post. That doesn't matter. Just start tithing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think to, to do a brief intro into tithing, tithing actually means 10%. Yep. And I know, you, do can, you ever hear people say, yeah, like we tithe like 3%. Yeah. And you're like, no, you don't. <laughs> there's, there's, Ramsey has another great thing there. He's like, you can't tithe 10% of a 20th. Like tithing literally means 10%. Yeah. And that is like from the beginning and, and you can speak to this better than I can, but in Deuteronomy, tithing came and it was referring to crops, right? Like it was your first. Yeah. And, and in the ancient world, right? You have, you have an agrarian economy. Right. And so, so you tithe, yeah, like Deuteronomy 14, you're going to tithe your, your first 10%. Right. And that, that would go to the, I believe it's called the storehouse. Yeah. There's a storehouse and, and really what it's going to, but, but behind the storehouse is the idea of God. Right. Right. And it, it's really that God owns everything. It's exactly, this is all God. Right. And, and so it's, I think what is a sticky subject for people is this concept of like, Oh, I need to tithe in order to be loved by God, or you're trying to earn something by tithing and, or you expect that by tithing and giving 10%, um, you're better off in a former fashion. I think that's completely wrong and the wrong way to look at it. Yeah. And I think that's what the Bible teaches, but it's very much a standpoint of, by tithing, you are acknowledging that you are not money. Like you are yeah. not addicted to that. That is not part of you. And there is something about being generous. And God does talk about by tithing, there are blessings, yep. but it's not financial. Like blessing actually yeah, is the that's, peace, that's a big point. right? Like that is peace. And that, and I think there is like, it's kind of like we had talked about in a previous podcast, but there's a catch 22 of like tithing and all of a sudden you become the generous person. You're not attached to it. You're a good person. And then you start to find yourself in some time. Sometimes you find yourself in great situations. People want to be around you. They're attracted to you. Right. you. Like things pop up and that may or may happen. The may or may not happen. And that's great, but it's not, it's never once tithing is, I think it's very important to understand that it is not a, you're not doing it 
to be in the right standing with God. God loves you no matter what. Yeah, you can't buy, right? Correct. Like you can't, God, your relationship to God is not a financial arrangement. But money is a huge, the reason I think this is so important is because all of us are tempted to worship money. That's right. So money, money is not a practical problem. And, and a lot of priests refuse to talk about money. And if they do, in my experience, I don't listen to too many priests anymore because I, at Sunday, I'm... You're kind of busy. Mass, kind That's of busy. right. Um, if I have prior engagement. But I think a lot of people are tend, they tend to think of this as a practical thing. Right. And I, I actually, you know, I don't know. I haven't been a lay person for a while, but I think a lot of people look at it and they say, well, you know, that church is doing fine. They don't need more. And what the Bible wants to teach us is they want to flip. It wants to flip this on its head. And the Bible wants to teach us that what you do with your money says a lot about who you are and what you trust. Right. And so money is not about, I need to pay the bills in a Christian context. Of course, that's always a reality, but much, much deeper than that. And much more important than that. Money is about worship. Yep. Right. Jesus says you cannot serve both God and mammon and you can't put your trust in wealth. And we're, and, and the reason Jesus tells us that is because guess what? We're tempted to put our trust in wealth. That's right. We're all tempted to that. And, and there's so many points here, but I want one more thing that you brought up, um, in Malachi chapter three, and here's, this is where it can get twisted. In Malachi three, God promises us that if we tithe, he will bless us. Right. And there's something <clears throat> cool. You might know this. So in general, are we supposed to test God? No. That's correct. <laughs> it's like, is the this way, a trick question? The way you, the you gave way me you, that look. I was yeah. like, oh. Well, I feel like whenever I ask you a question, you know, I'm the bad guy. Um, you, <laughs> you are the bad guy. You gave me that look like, why the heck are you asking me this question? Yeah, that's right. Why, what in the H-E double hockey sticks? Yes. Yeah, I mean, so all over the Bible, right? And so um, in Malachi chapter three, God says, he, he has said something totally unexpected. He says, put me to the test on this and see. And he says, if you bring in the full tithe to the storehouse, yep. he says, see the full 10% the of full your crop. 10%, he says, and what he says is he says, you are robbing me in Malachi three. Let's, let's look at this passage in a little more just so I don't misquote yeah. it. But Malachi three, uh, if you have a Catholic Bible, Malachi is the last of the prophets. And so he's right before first and second Maccabees. Um, and so in Malachi three, God says this, he says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how are we robbing you? And then the point this gets at something you already said is that the point is that everything belongs to God. Yep. Like if, you know, when, when it's kind of like when, um, I don't know, when a little kid comes to their mom and dad and they're like, Hey mom and dad, like. Um, I'm giving you back your change or maybe a teenager, right? They go to they, like mom and dad gives them 50 bucks. They go to lunch with their friends and they bring back five bucks and they say, Hey, here's your change. Like the mom and dad aren't like, Oh, you're so generous. <laughs> like that was so nice of you. You were totally. so generous. And it's a little bit like that. Like with our, well, what God wants to cultivate in us is trust of him and a knowledge that everything comes from him. And so when we give to God, we're not supposed to be like, yeah, I'm uh Kind of a big deal. That's right. I, uh, I gave God 3%. And God, you better notice. I tithed That's 3%. Right. Yeah, totally. Right. totally. <laughs> but anyway, so God says, so this is again, this is Malachi. We're in chapter three, verse eight. Uh, and moving here into verse nine, he says, uh, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me. 
the whole nation of you bring the full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, which is a reference to the temple. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes in the old Testament, when God says my house, it means the temple and thereby put me to the test. Now here's the thing. Um, well, let me finish this passage. Put me to the test as the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. So God says, Hey, put me to the test. If you bring in the full, full tithe to the storehouse, um, I am going to bless you with an overflowing, abundant blessing. Now, one of the things we need to just mention in passing here is this is not the health and wealth gospel. Right. This does not mean if you give God 10 bucks, he's going to send you a hundred. Right. That's not uh, what that, it means. I was going to ask you, because what's the literal like, if you go scale back when he refers to blessings, what does that actually mean? That's not a, you know, you give me 10 bucks, I'll give you a hundred. Yeah, that's a, that would be a surface level. Like, like, so, so material things can be blessings. They absolutely are. If right. you're someone who has means, that is a blessing. But generally in the Bible, God wants to bless us. And not just in life, God wants to bless us much deeper than that. Yeah. And he, what he, and this is going to be, I think, our central topic today, is that um, we are tempted to the false worship of the idol that is called money. That's right. And we have to, we have to disavow the worship of money in our lives if we're going to be real Christians, because worship of God uh, in every aspect of our life is what brings joy and fullness of life and yep. happiness and peace and peace. Right. Yep. Those, yep. those are much better. Right. Um, then if you had, if you had tons of money and you had a bad marriage, like what's it matter? What's it matter? Right. right. Or like Abraham, um, in Genesis, uh, I think it's in Genesis. I want to say 17. Uh, God promises to Abraham, you know, he says, you know, well, I'm going to bless you abundantly. Maybe it's, this might be 15 actually in Genesis 15. And God says to Abraham, you know, I'm going to bless you abundantly. And Abraham says, what are you going to bless me with? I've got everything I need. And I don't have a son. Right. What are you going to bless him with God? Right. So there are deeper blessings that God wants to give us, but back to Malachi. So the crazy thing here is that one of the great commandments of God is that we are not to put him to the test. Right. So, um, in Exodus 17 is, uh, Meribah and Massa where they, where the Israelites put God to the test. and they blow that and they're not supposed to do that. Like they're not supposed to put God to the test. And this is what happens in Matthew chapter four, when Jesus is in the wilderness, right. And Satan says he takes him up to the top of a temple yep. of the temple, not a temple, the temple. <clears throat> and he says, Hey, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Yep. And Jesus responds from Deuteronomy. Uh, it's either chapter six or eight. Let's find it really fast. Uh, Jesus responds and he quotes the book of Deuteronomy. Um, and here it is. It's Deuteronomy six sixteen. Uh, so he says, you shall not put the Lord, your God to the test. And that's all Jesus quotes. But then Moses goes on and says, as you tested him at Massah, which is Exodus 17, where they run out of water yep. and they strike the rock with, and they get water. Um, so, but here's my whole point is that, a big no-no in the Bible is putting God to the test. Except in Malachi 3. And so God actually says, here's one. I'll actually, if you want to put me to the test, go ahead and do it. And so I want to tell you, if you're out there, if you have not been generous to God, 
with your finances. And the reason this matters so much is because you and I put our trust in money. Yep. Right. Like, uh, Dr. Tim Gray, good friend of mine, uh, total loser. <laughs> and people love when I say that I was on like formed or something one time and I called him a chump. Yeah. And everyone like loves it. Cause they're like, you're no one says that to him. That's why it's total side note. That's why I agree. Sometimes you can banter too much, but I feel like the banter is good. Yeah. So people could see that you are normal. That yeah. it, it, we could just sit here and have the straight up questions. Yeah. But like for me to be able to call you a chump, yeah, don't ever call which me. I've called you way worse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's it's good for people to see. Yeah, no, I agree. But uh, so what happens, though, is um, where were we going with that? Where were we at? Dr. Tim Gray. Uh, Dr. Tim Gray says um, he talks about how uh, fear of the future is what keeps us from being generous today. Yep. And so here's the thing, like. Uh, people all the time say to me, Hey, father Brian, like, um, I want to, I want to grow my faith. And it's like, you really want to grow in your faith instead. Of, and like, I think what most people feel like it's like, well, go read, you know, Psalm 145. Um, the Lord is gracious and merciful, uh, abounding in mercy. He is good to all, which is a great line quoting Exodus 33. But you know, that's, that's a good thing to do. And actually that can help. That can really help you grow in your faith. Praying the rosary can help you grow in your faith. You know, what's going to really help you grow in your faith is giving away a little more money than you're comfortable with. Yep. Yep. And cause you know what it makes you do? You have to trust in God. That's right. Right. Which I think is important. Cause if, <clears throat> if, if you don't have the scripture knowledge that you do and you're reading that passage out of Malachi, <laughs> it kind of sounds like test me. And it's like a, a trade-off, but it's not about the tithe. I think like, I don't know it's how to about, hammer that home. It's not about money. Like God's, Correct. God's not going to say, Hey God, if I, if I surrender my life to you, then you're going to make my life happy. It's not yep. about that. It's what, what it's more about. It's more about, um, it's like the mother Teresa type of blessing. Yep. Mother Teresa lost her life for God. And that doesn't mean like, I was like, Oh yes, you did that. Hey, I'm going to give you one of the Hawaiian islands. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mother Teresa isn't blessed materially. <laughs> Mother Teresa is blessed because her soul is in union with God and nothing on earth is as great as that. That's right. Nothing. And that's the kind of blessing God wants to give us. Right. Right. Uh, but I love this trusting thing. Another, another great example of this Exodus is always at the forefront of the, uh, of my mind, but, but of the new Testament's mind. And, um, one of the great images of this. So I want to talk about the storehouse, right? Like, uh, I bet in your life with you and Steph, and previous your conversion, but the rest of your life, right? This isn't like you have your conversion. Great. Everything's perfect. Now you got to wrestle your whole life to learn how to trust God more. Mm-hmm. A great image of this is from, uh, Exodus 16. So the, the testing of God is in Exodus 17 at Meribah, but in Exodus 16 is the manna. Yep. And what happens in the manna is we get in this idea of a storehouse. And what happens is that God rains bread from heaven but how often, like, how much bread can you gather in Exodus 16? Do you know? God, 40. It has something to do with 40, doesn't it? No. No. Dang it. 40 I don't is know. the desert. So you can only gather enough for that day. Okay. So what happens in Exodus 16 is God says, okay, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven, but you can only gather for today. And what that means is that means I actually have to trust God. 
he'll provide tomorrow. They'll provide tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Isn't that beautiful? And the only day there's an exception is Friday. Yep. On Fridays, the Jews are allowed to gather double so that they don't have to work on Sabbath. See, and I, it's so interesting, like in this concept of blessings and what that means. And like, for whatever reason, it's really resonating with me right now with blessings is this joy and this peace and being able to not be a slave to your money and getting caught up in that where where your life is being dictated by your financial means. And like, I've got to do, I've got to sacrifice my family to go to this meeting, to get the money. And you're always on that chase of something. But to your point, like you can have so much money in the world, but if you have a terrible relationship with your family, your marriage, your blah, 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 it means nothing. So the concept of giving 10%, which tithe again, literally means 10% is not an act of like, look, the our lady of Lords does not need your money. We're not, that's not the purpose of that. I mean, I mean, we kind of do sort of (laughs) in a way we can get there. Uh, no, but but wherever you go with it, it doesn't matter. I could care less where you go with it, but it is that concept of just being able to remove yourself. And I, and I've this, when I heard this, it was always like, it could be really hard for somebody who only has a hundred dollars to their name and yep. giving 10 bucks is extremely difficult, Yep. but it never gets easier. Even if you come into more money, yep. all of a sudden writing $10,000 cause you have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Yep. Definitely doesn't feel good. You have a million dollars. Now you're writing a hundred thousand dollar check. It never gets easier. Hey, by the way, I just want to compliment you on not burping into the microphone. Yeah, that, that crept up on me. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, (laughs) forgive me. Um, but it never gets easier. And again, that's the point. Yeah. That is exactly Can you imagine like, like Jeff Bezos, right? If he's, if he was a really, if he had this great conversion, right. Right. And like, and he's sitting with us and we're like, Hey, Jeff. Yeah, you made like a billion dollars last year. Um, what is that? A hundred million? Yeah. I'm not not a math major here, people. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, hey, like, where's the hundred million dollar check? It wouldn't be towards you know me necessarily, but like, of course, it wouldn't be towards me. But towards the church and towards the poor and like some kind of something that is of God. Um, that would be a very hard check to write. That that would be, and that that could be a topic for another podcast like i would have a question of and again i think i just i've brought this up to you before but i like internally struggle with can you truly become a you know a jeff bezos of the world and i know you can but i feel like it's rare i just haven't seen it that often of becoming a jeff Bezos. and i'm not i'm just using him from a financial perspective i have no idea about him personally but in a truly christian manner yeah like to get to that level of success I mean, again, even looking at athletes now, like there was a quarterback the other day just signed. He's going to be paid like $45 million a year on average. And you look at that or you look at anyone that is at Bezos level, the amount of time they've had to remove themselves from their family. And and are they working on Sundays? Are they making deals in a very questionable way? Like any of that kind of stuff. It's just like, wow, like what's what's the threshold? Like, I, don't, I don't understand it. But yes, if that's a lot of money though, if he turned around and was like, I'm going to tie 10% of this. Yeah. That's a significant amount. And it, it, it just is interesting to look at it that way. Cause I remember when I was first coming into faith, I had no money to my name. My finances were all over yeah. blah, blah, blah. And to be like, man, I really, you know, how do you all of a sudden budget 10%? 
that's a painful scenario. You but know, it, and, but it, it goes back to the bigger point. I'm not trusting God. Yeah. And some, you know, some people, I think if you're building towards that, that's okay. When I give my tithing talk every year, I'm like, you know, some people it's too much to go from zero or 1% to 10. And I, you know, God walks with us. He doesn't, he doesn't say, okay, Hey Brian, you're kind of a jerk. I need you to be the nicest person on earth tomorrow. Right. What he says is walk with me. Take a, Can you take a step? Yeah. Maybe you're not gonna be perfect tomorrow. And I think that's goes for our money too is like, and then we can get to this, but the, the new Testament, it doesn't seem as if, so in the old Testament, there's a strict law about strictly 10 Right. in the new Testament. It's really debated about whether or not you're supposed to tithe in the new Testament Catholics. There's a great quote. Can I read one quote? Yeah. I've got to find it. Um, well, well you pulled that up. I mean, yeah. I think it's, um, my only pushback on like uh, totally, and you got to, you really got to try to focus when it comes to the finances and, and the blessings God has given you. Um, but oftentimes people look at, you know, I can't tie 10% because it's kind of like an all or nothing scenario. Yeah. And it's like, this is why I love Dave Ramsey so much from yeah. the standpoint of like, yeah, if you're looking at it, like, Oh, if I all of a sudden I start giving 10%, I can't afford to eat during the week. Like it's, it's normally like these two heavy extremes, Yeah, but it's also like, wait a second. If you're in that position, that's not the only variables. You have a $600 car payment. Totally. You have a, you know, you're spending $500 out a month eating all these scenarios of like, where else can you sacrifice again? Going back to, it has nothing to do. And that's why I feel like it's so tough for a priest to get up there and talk about this in a 25 minute homily. Yeah. That isn't really fair. Cause it's not about the church receiving the money. It's about where's your faith. But if people like to look at it, and I always kind of hear that when I bring up any sort of topic like this, that's always like the two variables. If I give tithing, then I can't afford to do this. It's like, well, okay, but let's also step back and really examine how can you get to the 10% yeah. that, and, and make minor adjustments? Like, do you need 27 subscriptions to different platforms? Do you need right. four different Discovery gym memberships? Plus. All this, you know, exactly. Like it, it is oftentimes seen that way, but yeah. what's the, what's the quote you found? So this is from, uh, St. Irenaeus whose feast day is my birthday. Nice. Um, so, uh, feel very blessed to be born on his feast day. He's amazing. He's, he's one of the greatest saints of early Christianity. And so he's writing in the second century. He wrote this massive work called against heresies. And he's one of our great sources on what early Christianity was like. But anyway, so he says this, he says the people of Israel used to dedicate tithes of their possessions, but those who have been given freedom, and he's talking about us in the new covenant. Uh, and I think he might be here draw, drawing off of second Corinthians three because Paul is very big on freedom in second Corinthians three and the way that Christ freed us. And I mean, that's in a lot of places, but anyway, he says, but those who have been given freedom devote what they possess to the Lord's use. So he's saying, you know, really Christians, we don't give a tithe. Just everything I have is God's. Right. So, but those who have been given freedom, devote what they possess to the Lord's use. They give it all to him not simply what is of lesser value, cheerfully and freely, because they hope for greater things, like the poor widow who put into God's treasury her whole livelihood. Um, that's in uh, Mark chapter 12. The end of Mark 12 is the widow's might. But here's, and I think Irenaeus, here's what he's pointing at. I think the central point is this, and this is the one I want to get to. 
And whenever I, you've heard me preach about this in October, every October at Lord's, I, I give two weekends where we talk about why money is about worship. Yep. Your money has everything to do with your relationship to God. Yep. This is not just a practical thing. It's that all of us are tempted to say, if I have enough money, I'm secure. And what you've got to do, there's John Muir. Father John Muir, who's a priest in Phoenix, had this great song. It's called Shoot Your Cow. <laughs> and I used this in my homily one year on this. And he's talking about the golden calf. But he wrote this really catchy song, and he's he's a phenomenally gifted priest. But he wrote the song, wrote it called uh, Shoot Your Cow, and the chorus says, uh, shoot your cow, put a bullet in its brain, in the rain or in the sunshine, yeah, shoot your cow. <laughs> well, what? Not, I, I got, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to sing it for you. Yeah. You know, I know, I don't think you're ready for my beautiful pipes here. The songbird of our generation. Songbird. But what he's saying there, right, is like, is that the golden calf is an idol. Yeah. And you, and you know what? And for most of us, there's three big false gods in our lives. Power, pleasure, money. Yep. Power, pleasure, money. Those are the big three. And what John Muir is seeing in that song is... Hey man, you, you have got to fight against the idols in your life. And so last thing I'll throw it back to you, but I think the central point for me on this is that the world tells us, do you want to be happy? Have more stuff. Right. And we all think this way. I mean, so Patrick and I joke when we get frustrated with life, we're like, let's just go start our church in Hawaii. You know? Um, yeah. sounds pretty good some days. Sounds amazing <laughs> sounds most days. Amazing. And I'm like, man, <laughs> like God, if you just gave me a Hawaiian island, like, come on, the yeah. life, then I'd finally be happy. And I think all of us were tempted to say, if I just had more stuff and not just, and it could be physical stuff or it could be, if I just had that relationship, if that girl just loved me, right. if my boss just appreciated me more, if people just worshiped me, or if I had a nicer house or a better car or that second home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then I'd be happy. And here's why this is central to everything it means to be a Christian, is that Jesus teaches us that the way to happiness is to lose your life. Totally. And so the way the way that Jesus lives his life is he knows the way to happiness is not to receive things, but it's to surrender yourself and love to others. Yep. And if you think that that doesn't affect your finances, you have not thought deeply about this yet. That's right. Well, I think that's it's kind of like a cherry picking of scripture too, where it's like you're going to listen to A through W and then the tithing. You're like, ah, whatever. Yeah. Like, nah, it doesn't really work for me this month. Or, you know, it's, it is that discipline. And I think it's kind of interesting when you bring that up. I was just thinking when we always throw out like, let's just move to Hawaii. Yeah. And like for I me, mean, we, we would take Steph too. St- Steph will for sure go. Yeah. Um, We're not going to abandon you, Steph. Steph, you can totally come. Yeah. And we got to bring the Rogers too. Don't That's right. Us. That's right. But, but the concept, the concept of that is for me, I spent so much of my life in the rat race of trying to get the private plane, trying to get to the second house, trying to get to the blah, 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 that there's something romantic of just give me a, a little beach yeah. with the people I love, no television, no social media no like i just want to husk coconut all day and wait what did you just say that's right that's right (laughs) seriously that's right that's what i want to do i want to sit there and i want to drink from a straw out of the coconut and just sit in the sand and just reduce 
because I'm t- I, it is exhausting always trying to achieve and always trying to like yeah. move up in the world yep. where there is this like romanticized like, dude, I just want to go read a book on the beach. You don't want to like, read a book. On I the don't. Beach. I don't. Again, I want to go husk a coconut <laughs> yes. on the beach. You know what, though? My dad's going to be ticked if he listens to this because you can't use the verb husk. Because my dad still has a great hatred for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Sorry to all you Cornhuskers. I actually have a lot of friends who are Cornhusker fans, Ugh. which is Boo. hard for me. I know. We're, we're, we're buffs. So that's a little, that rivalry, we don't even play them anymore. No. But it's anyway, all... we digress. Um, but there is some, you know, I don't know. I, th- I think it's funny that we kind of joke about like, I just want this simple life. Like it, it is yep. just, you know, but then again, the minute I say that, then all of a sudden someone drives by with a nice car or I see something or whatever. And you're kind of like, oh, you get pulled back into it. That's and that's the struggle with life. And that's the struggle, even working in the church or even any of that stuff. You were consistently always, we would move to Hawaii and be like, well, it, this is great and all, but. I would love to have a mansion with like the infinity pool. And like, you're always in that tug of war of life. That's why I think it's so interesting. This concept of tithing where every single month or in the year, however you're doing it, but you are making that sacrifice to trust in God. And it's a very tangible way to, to test your own faith and to really make that a priority to see like, man, how hard is it to give that money away and am I trusting God? Yeah. And, it, and I will say it feels good when you do it. hundred percent. Have you felt that? Oh yeah. 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 When I was, I started, I had a, I was very blessed. I've been very lucky in my life where, uh, when I was a college kid, I just, I encountered people like Tim Gray and Curtis Martin and John Zimmer. And my mother was so awesome. And my dad too. And my grandparents and I had all these great blessings, but they started teaching me these things. And so I started giving money when I was a college kid and it just feels good. Yeah. It frees you, right? Like God wants us to be free. And that's a great Dave Ramsey line too. I think it's Dave Ramsey. He says, uh, he says, money is a phenomenal servant, but a terrible master. Yeah. Gosh, it's true. And I love that line because if you, and that, and money can become your master both by worshiping it, yep. but also if you get in debt too much. And so we're supposed to be smart about our money. We're not hundred percent. We are not debt. Right. Is a, um, is a, the primary analogy in the new Testament for sin. Yep. Right. And you, if you know me, you've heard me say this before in the, our father, that's the word, forgive us our debts. We don't say forgive us our trespasses. It's forgive us our debts. Ophelia Mata in Greek, but yeah, debt's a bad thing. And Paul will tell us you are to be in debt to no one. Oh, no one, anything except the debt of love. And so we're supposed to only have the debt where we love each other. But I think so much of what this gets to is that uh, God is what Augustine said. So St. Augustine at the beginning of his autobiography, The Confessions, he has that famous line where he says, uh, you have made us for yourselves, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And so, so in our life, we always wonder, why am I not more happy? And I always think, gosh, you know, and, and I've been thinking about this. We went to go play Paw Patrol for the kiddos, and I smashed my guitar into a doorknob. I'm like, man, like, why am I always doing stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, You know, it was like one of those days. I'm like, oh, of course I just did that. Um, Do not buy me a guitar, by the way. This is what Muriel Rogers would be like. There's going to be a new guitar that's going to show up. Totally. (laughs) Don't do that. I don't need more stuff. I'm way, I'm spoiled. But anyway, but I I thought, I'm like, man, gosh, it would just be so cool to have a nicer guitar. Yeah. And then I'd be happy. And I think we have this idea in our life of like, you know, you drive through a nice neighborhood. When I was in seminary, I used to go on walks with my rosary 
And the seminary is in kind of a nice neighborhood. And you walk and there's some like million dollar houses really close to the seminary. Right. And you walk by and I remember thinking, and I'm praying my rosary of all things. And I'm looking at these like houses. I'm like, oh man, that's, that's a nice, house. I'd be happy if I had that house. Right. And I think what, 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 what tithing wants to do is not primarily about where the money goes. That doesn't matter. And I think we should be smart. I think all of you out there, if you're going to be more generous with your money, and this is the new commitment. Testament commandment. That's what St. Irenaeus is getting at. The New Testament commandment is not a number. Then I think 10% is a baseline all of us should strive for. But the New Testament commandment isn't that. The New Testament commandment is lose your life. Yep. It is be generous. It is surrender yourself. That's the New Testament commandment. And it's written into the being of Christ himself. Right? That's who Jesus is. Um, but that's what we want to do. Is we, God wants to teach us that the only thing that will make us happy is him. And all of our lives, you know, till the day I die, I'm going to be thinking, oh, if I just had this and if I just had my Hawaiian island and apparently Patrick's over there like smashing coconuts or something, <laughs> right? I'd be happy. But but no, I wouldn't be because the only thing that can actually make you happy is God. And so you got to shoot your cow. That's right. You got to shoot your cow. And, and when you do that, you'll find joy. The one who Jesus says seven times in, in the Gospels in some form the one who seeks his own life will lose it, but the one who loses his life for my sake will find it. And so we've got to have that that kind of paradigm, that pattern of self-giving that Jesus is in himself that's meant to be written into us and pressed into our being. And that's supposed to happen not just with money in all kinds of areas, but money is one of them, and it's yeah. an important one. And that's why I think community is so important, yeah. especially in this uh, when it comes to the topic of tithing or any of that kind of stuff, but like you're part of the companions, um, companions of Christ, and you have this a bunch of your priests, you know, fellow priests, which in the, within the archdiocese, but you guys have like really interesting rules, um, rules, right? That's yeah, kind of like we have a rule of life, and we do, yeah, rules, yep. a way of life that you guys mm -hmm. like you know, you, you're only allowed to spend a certain amount of money and then up to that threshold, anything beyond that, you have to get approval from the guys. And it's a really good, like self-check that I think is like, I wish in my own life, you know, you have the companions because yeah. otherwise you're always keeping up with the Joneses yep. because that is what society is saying right now is there's always like exactly what you said earlier. If I just had this one other thing, then I'll be happy. And then yep. every day it's like that, you know, I always joke, but during COVID, my biggest addiction became Amazon. Right. And it was like, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. Amazon was still delivering. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, yeah, I mean, I would just be, I just need this one last thing. Yeah. And then it shows up and I'm like, man, that was really cool. And I need, uh, that's right. I do need this one more thing. Yeah. And you're always kind of thinking like, I'm eventually going to reach this point where I've crossed the finish line and then it's all about God. And then I'll finally be there and I'm ready to give it all up or whatever. But it's, ne you never reach it. Yeah. It's, you know what I love about our faith? All these things touch each other. Right. And I love that. I love like you can talk about money or you could talk about like Sunday arrest like we talked about. Yep. Um, you can talk about just about anything. You can talk about sexual morality. Yep. Um, and at the end, like all these things are aspects of one thing, which is Jesus himself. And it's so powerful. It's yeah. so beautiful. I just that's that's I why love I love the concept. Like if you say, you know by tithing or if you look at any of that kind of stuff following jesus will lead to blessings 
Yeah. And it's not this trade-off again of you really got to focus on that. Like it's not this trade-off of like I give 10 bucks, I'll get a hundred eventually down the line or this weird karma thing or whatever it is. Blessing from the perspective of peace. It yes, is you, finally that's gonna pick that noise up. It is fine. <laughs> banging the table because it yeah. truly it, it's so fascinating to me because again, it's like even working the church, like you think I would have this mastered like but it's a daily struggle to just think like if I give myself up, whether that's financially or it's my Sundays or sexual immorality, any of like everything you just yeah. said, power, sex and money. That's right. Yeah. If, if you can just trust in God, there is the blessing of peace in your life. Amen. Right. And that's, and, and we've talked about this other, when we talk about purgatory, right? Like all these things touch each right. other. So is the real blessing? Is it that you have everything you want? And like, what if you were wealthy and you were, and you did have addictions to alcohol and drugs, God forbid, and yeah. whatever else and entertainment, like you could actually be miserable having everything you want. Totally. What if it was the other way around where you became ordered and you had freedom where you didn't have to be entertained all the time, but you had a peace because you're in union with God. That's right. And that's what this is about. That's why money, what you do with your money, brothers and sisters, if you have a problem being generous with God, you have a worship problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have an idolatry problem. You are worshiping a false God and that, and you've got to shoot your cow. And I want to bring up one, one other verse here. So, um, in second Corinthians, Paul has some interesting things to say about this. Um, so, uh, Paul, right. What he wants to do, like in so much of the New Testament is that we're used to thinking of Christianity as Jesus died for me. And so I get to be saved. And there's, that's absolutely true. That is true, but there's, but it's deeper than that. What Paul understands is that salvation is very tied to who Jesus is, is a form that's impressed into us. So if you think like a wax seal, right? If you have like, if you have like hot wax and you take a, one of those cool, like you watch a movie from like, on like the medieval world, right? No, <laughs> time out. I, I would, yes, I totally get the imagery, but I feel like that's something that like the archdiocese would do still. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like I'm going to walk no, in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, like I always joke, like <laughs> everything in the, in the Catholic world is like, I'm not shocked if I walk in, someone's using a typewriter and we're like, what? No, dude, carry like, your pigeons. That hundred like, percent. I don't know. It's the way yeah. we've always done it. So I'm sure they <laughs> signed with like blood on the letter yeah they for sure still use the seal actually another shout out to my, my friend father sam moorhead i saw him last night he's a great priest but he loves that stuff he sends out sometimes all like parties and it's just his style but he'll, he has wax seals sometimes I'm totally like, i'm like sam you're such a dork i can see colin yeah. doing we got a uh, colin barry working in the office and he's just he has great style and just has a personality to him i feel like i could totally see him dropping off a note and it's like sealed with the wax, the wax like, seal. yeah <laughs> no but I, so so being a christian right god and if you're out there like those of you listening in god doesn't just want you to have an external reward Right. He doesn't want you to have like the nice house, you know, and like you, you'll hear like Christian artists and sing songs about heaven, like where the streets are paved with gold. And like, I've got this great room. There's a great Cademan's call song about this. And, and I'm like, I love it. I'm like, yeah, I want those things, too. But the real joy of the Christians is not something that's external. It's that you have union with God and what God. So, so what St. Paul wants to say to us is that. Jesus doesn't just want us to be saved from something. He wants us to become like him. 
salvation ultimately is about being like God and being in union with God. And so here in Second Corinthians, St. Paul, he has this great line that I quote oftentimes when I talk about tithing. So Second Corinthians 8, 6, or sorry, 8, 9. Uh, St. Paul says, you know the grace, uh, charis in Greek, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. So what Paul is doing here is he's playing off on the word on the words rich and poor. Yeah. And so Christ has is rich because he's God. He is infinite. He has everything, but he limited himself to become a human being. He became poor in the sense, and he was literally poor too, by the way. We know that when they go, when uh, in Luke chapter one, uh, <clears throat> when they go to offer turtle doves in the temple, you offer a turtle dove if you're poor. If you have means, you're supposed to offer a lamb. Mm. Um, so Jesus really was poor, but, um, but what Paul, I think, is saying here is he, by becoming a man, Jesus left his infinite majesty. He still is God. He didn't abandon his divinity. But he took on limitation by uniting a human nature to himself. But he did that so that you would be rich, not physically with like money and Scrooge McDuck type riches, but so that you would be rich in the sense of you would be generous and full of wisdom and love and faith and hope. Um, and Paul's he's going to talk about this all over the place. Like, so he says this about his, himself in chapter six, second Corinthians six, Paul talking about himself and his companions he says, we are treated as imposters. This is Second uh, Corinthians 6, uh, verse 8. We are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown, right? Paul has become unknown, obscure, yet well-known, as dying. But behold, we live as punished, yet not killed. And here's the key right here. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich. So Paul's poor. He doesn't have a home. He's a, he's a, he's a, a homeless man wandering, preaching the gospel, but the gospel is true wealth. And so he's poor, but he's able to make others rich because he has true riches. Totally. He has, he has, he has wealth where it really matters. Curtis Martin says, sometimes he'll say, uh, he says, you know, we're all playing with monopoly money, right? He's like, and totally. I love that line. That's he's like, awesome. the game's going to end. It's all monopoly money. Yeah. But do you have the wealth that really matters to God? Right. Which is very, I could go on forever. There's Luke 12. Jesus tells a parable that's very in line with what Curtis says there. But That's so fascinating. And also, I mean, I think it's interesting too. I mean, like here at Lords, we have a tithing committee. Yep. We have like, we as a church, a church should also be tithing back. Yeah, we, and, and, and one of the biggest things is we need to love the poor. Right. And so like a church, I think. You know, our community and in the New Testament teaches actually that the first type of poor we're supposed to care about are other Christians, but also everyone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Lords, you know, we've been blessed with people who are generous here. I don't think everyone's there. I, I mean, we're generous relative to other places. And I'm, I'm pretty emphatic about this. I'm like, if you took all of the people who go to Lords and you added up like what's what is the what do people actually tithe if you averaged it out? I don't think we'd be anywhere near 10 percent. Right. Uh, I think there's a small group of people or, or maybe more significant than some places who give 10%. But I don't think we're anywhere near 10% at the church. But regardless, we have to be generous. So yeah, we have a tithing committee. And like like my friend Father Jason, shout out to him. Father Jason Wunsch is starting a parish in a much poorer neighborhood yep. out in Green Valley Ranch. And so sometimes we'll send money his way. Yeah. You know, and we'll say, hey, your parish is not 
a place that has a lot of money, we're not going to send you, we don't have tons of money to send you, but we're going to send you some money to yeah. help you, you know, and we, it's a worship problem, right? It's not all about us, but there's always something more you could put money towards. Shoot your cow. That's right. Man, it's fascinating. I just think it's, yeah. And the true wealth, when, when you're saying that again, I just feel like the ultimate wealth would be, again, going back to the, the peace. Like we live with so much, we're in a time of yeah. how much suicide, how much depression, how much anxiety, all these things that are like more prescriptions for antidepressants and uh, just you name it out yeah. there. And yet we're being sold some self guru scenario about how to make more money and how to be more successful in business. And, and we've all lost Jesus. Yeah. And at the end of the day, trying to get back to that, that is the true wealth. Yeah. And let me, I, last line for me, at least St. Thomas Aquinas has one of my favorite. I mean, he has a lot of gems. I mean, he's a saint, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But he has this great line where he says, one of the questions I always have is why am I not more happy? <sighs> totally. Right. Like yeah. I just, I'm like, man, I just, there's always this kind of sense of like, man, I just, I think I should be happier than this. Right. Um, and then you start thinking, well, what would make me happy? Well, new guitar. Yeah, that's right. And then I could play Paw Patrol for the preschoolers, <laughs> like with a richer, melodious sound. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But what St. Thomas Aquinas says is he, he says, and I, some people find this depressing. I think it's beautiful. But St. Thomas Aquinas says perfect happiness in this life is impossible. He says it's, it's, he says reasonable happiness he says, God can make you reasonably happy in this world. But he says, he's building on Augustine here that um, we're not supposed to be perfectly happy in this life. And I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, thank God. It's not just me. Yeah, totally. Right? And totally. it actually brings relief. It's like, oh, I'm not supposed to be perfectly happy in this life. And, and he quotes Augustine. He says, the reason we're not supposed to be perfectly happy in this life is because man's ultimate fulfillment can only be when he possesses God in his fullness. And so you cannot possibly be perfectly happy in this life because you weren't made for it. You were made for God in the next and, and you're supposed to be hungering for him. And that just makes it like, it's okay not to be perfectly happy. That's right. It's the expectation of trying to be happy is the ultimate destination of anxiety, depression, all the above. Is it really? A hundred percent. Cause if I you're, if that. you're, if you're like expecting to find peace and happiness and always in that search, you'll never find it. And it's yeah. through the suffering, it's through all that kind of stuff that you finally start to realize the the peace that's possible. And unfortunately, the world today, you know, spins that into some like you know, uh, some coach that you could probably go buy something. But it's fascinating on my side of I've I've listened to so many of those, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh wait a second, a saint said this, or yeah. Jesus said this, you know, two thousand years ago, and it it's right in front of us. But it's yeah. that daily check in. Um, last thing I'll say is, uh, St. Irenaeus, he's cool and all, but my birthday lands on St. Joseph. So I don't mean to one up you, but I will. Universal patron of the church. (laughs) (laughs) Smack down. Whammo. Yeah. You're like winning the like March madness bracket. It's like St. Joseph takes all. That's right. Yep. So, uh, well, there's that. All right, everybody. Hey, I want to encourage you if you want to grow in your faith, uh, give some of your money away to an organization that loves the poor. Yep. I would encourage you to do it with a Catholic organization because they're not going to mix it with worldly lies. But that's a great way to do it. You know, maybe your local church, but I think it's, it's important for us all to love the poor. So Catholic charities or 
Marisol Health, something that helps someone who's poor, uh, that will help you to be less attached to your money. You'll feel awesome and you will help someone who needs help. And, and hopefully, again, it's not about us asking for for lore, any of this kind of stuff. It's not about that. It is about checking the reality of are you idolizing money? Yep. Yep. So. Only God will make you happy. Again, email us rant at lordsdenver.org and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.